What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It is Friday, and you know what that means. We got another conversation with a content marketer that's bringing it. This time, I'm joined by Sarah Griesenbach. We're talking about writing for the executive reader. Writing. Sarah is the founder of the B2B Writing Institute. A lot to unpack here. I'm excited for this one. I'm excited to share it with you. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a content marketing pal about the show. Tell your friends. We appreciate that. And if you're not signed up already, go to thejuicehq.com. Start enjoying your frictionless content experience today. It's free. Without further ado, let's go. It's Friday. Let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I am excited for today's guest. We're talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart and a topic that I'm sure if you're a content marketer out there is near and dear to your heart, and that is writing. I'm pumped. I'm joined by Sarah Griesenbach, who is the founder of the B2B Writing Institute. Without further ado, Sarah, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. And it's either near our hearts or in our nightmares because I'm seeing writing can be some of the stressful part and some of the stuff that's keeping marketers at their desk way too late into the evening. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I love it. And then it's also stressful. And there'll be times where, you know, we're uh, the juice where we've got, you know, a very small staff and we're all wearing many hats and my wife will, <laughs> my wife will come home from work and she gets home late. She's in, she's in medicine and I'll be at our kitchen table when I should be cooking dinner for us. I'll be <laughs> writing blog, the blog post for tomorrow that I haven't mm-hmm. quite finished up yet. So <laughs> I can, I can relate to that, those opening remarks. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we jump in here. I'm, I'm super curious Maybe we start from the jump of just the B2B Writing Institute. I think uh, going to the website, meeting you in Slack groups, like I, I think it's interesting. There's a need that you're providing in this space. I'd love mm-hmm. to maybe just get your background on like the why behind you starting the B2B Writing Institute and just like the origin story. Yeah. And it's been really interesting. So I'm about a year and a half or two years into shaping this idea but it all came from just being too busy and and maybe not making too much money, but certainly being among writers who really are at the high end of the food chain when it comes to running a freelance writing business. And so I've found you know, there's just so much demand for what's going on. And there's so many people who need help with this that I realized if I could teach other people how to do this, um, which is the whole purpose of the B2B Writing Institute is to teach people how to write really excellent B2B content. Um, if I could find a way to break that down and teach not just a new skill, but a new way of looking at writing to the next generation of writers, I think that would solve a lot of people's problems. Freelance writers to be able to create a sustainable income and then marketing managers to be able to put out all the content they need and reach the audiences they want to talk to. That I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. I think, you know, when I had my my come up and I won't even date myself, but as a B2B <laughs> marketer. You know, writing was the the foundation, and it was you know you mm-hmm. you had to write. You were writing blog posts, right? You were writing email copy, um, headlines. It was all about writing. But you know, over the last you know five to seven years, let's say, there's been just these new mega trends that have arrived, which is obviously audio. Mm-hmm. We're talking on a podcast right now, <laughs> yeah. and video. 
But like for me, when I'm looking to bring on talent, being able to be an exceptional writing writer is like the the number one quality I look for. And I don't know if that's because I'm an old B2B marketing curmudgeon (laughs) and writing is important, but like, how, how are you thinking about that when you describe like educating kind of the new, new group coming in where there's all these uh, kind of flashy things with audio and video, how are you kind of communicating Mm. the value of writing and what you do? Well, I think it's interesting because the only type of media that does not involve writing is improv. So unless you're sitting down to a mic or a video with no notes, no planning, no, no people involved in what you're making, which is rarely the case in B2B, um, you, it all starts with writing. It starts with your content brief, your planning document, your yearly strategy, and, and all of those things have to be presented very clearly and um, in an interesting way. So to me, writing, even if it's not the end result that a audience member is going to see, like it all still starts with writing. Are you seeing anything different with maybe newer people that are coming in and maybe just, is there, is there still this, obviously people are coming out of college, they're taking writing courses, I would imagine. And (laughs) then they are, you know, kind of catapulting into um, their careers. They end up in B2B marketing and then they're, you know, maybe Mm. working with you. Are you seeing anything different in just like the new crop of content marketers that you're working with that you're thinking about regularly with them? Yeah. I wonder if it's different or if it's just universal since the beginning of time, but the the lack of confidence in what to say seems to jump up the most, whether they're reaching out to a marketing manager to try to help or starting a project. Um, writers tend to put this pressure on themselves to be the expert and to know exactly what to write when the best B2B content is just pulling those pieces together. So I see it, you're really more of a builder than a writer. So learning the skills of asking the right questions, reading a content strategy or a brief and understanding like what the point is and what what the best thing to write about will be. I think those are skills that are undervalued right now because writers put it on themselves so much to just sit down and write something perfect from start to finish. I can relate with that for yeah. sure. That makes a ton of sense. And I, you know, I'm, I feel like maybe I'm a little old school in nature in terms of like where I seek and source inspiration, but I look at the work that I do and it's always from like the writing lens first. And I kind of go back Mm. to like the tried and true, like what are the timeless pieces that I can go to and learn from Mm -hmm. over time that don't get old or rigid. And I always go back to like stuff like, you know, Ogilvy on advertising and just like (laughs) the importance of like headlines and the importance of copy. I'm curious, just approaching the market with words, maybe some things that, you know, in your career that you have learned that you find important or things that you might have in your work taught others. Yeah. Well, I'm going to lean right on what you shared for the first thing, which is that B2B writing really can and should be more like art than marketing. Because I think SEO is foundational and, and often that's the reason we're doing something. So it's, it's not to say it's not important, but I see that as something that needs to be layered into actual good writing because executives are reading Harvard Business Review and Hemingway and Clayton Christensen. So if they even get a whiff of like content mill or SEO churn kind of writing, they're out of there. 
because they're they've just got a lot more to do. So <laughs> to be really putting in um, expectations around the quality and elevating that message that's in each piece, whether it's a white paper or a webinar, anything that's written um, comes out by by allowing it to be art and hoping that it actually sounds good. Yeah, and I strive for the art element of the work that I do. And I think I spent so much of my career thinking uh, along the lines of maybe content production, content factory, like burn and churn, Mm -hmm. like let's write Mm -hmm. these pieces for machines. Let's make sure that these things get up on Google's first page. And we can only do this as if, if we optimize keywords and do this. And then, you know, if I look back on, you know, some of the, the writing that I did, you know, five to seven to maybe even 10 years ago, like I'd look back on it now and I'd probably not be too proud of that work. And it's, it's weird because it, it, it's harder to do and it's less authentic, but I feel like mm-hmm. just in B2B marketing in general, like that's the game that so many people are playing They're They're not thinking about their audiences. They're just thinking about how can I get mm-hmm. our, our articles published on the front page of Google. So someone stumbles upon it and then hopefully requests a demo, which we all know there's so many steps that need to go and take place (laughs) in between that. So like, how do you strike a good balance in between like, you know, getting noticed and writing authentically? Yeah. I probably spend too much time on marketing Twitter because my mind goes right to the value of superficial metrics is not valuable. Mm. So if you drive a lot of traffic, if you have a lot of people clicking through, but they aren't making a connection with what they find there, if it's not speaking to their level, if it doesn't attract the right people who need more artful content, then it's a nice vanity metric to be number one, but I don't think that's driving actual value for a business. I think we all, and I don't know if this is a, from a top down or what this is, but I call Mm. it attribution intoxication. And it just, it seems (laughs) like like it's, it, take it, take it, take it and go use it. Cause we need to spread, spread it (laughs) around and make sure everyone notices it. But I feel like we spend so much time worrying about metrics and looking through analytics and meeting with our bosses and looking at dashboards. And at the end of the day, it's like, does this stuff like really matter? Like, is this helping push your company forward? And so Mm. I don't know. It's like, should we be spending more time trying to create our voice or should we be spending more time digging through metrics? That's, that's the question I'm Mm -hmm. asking myself right now as we're kind of trying to launch this new company and, and, and talk to marketers. Yeah. And well, this is where I want to be careful because I'm very aware I'm not a marketing expert. I think there's a lot of nuance and responsibilities that I've never had being on the writer's side of the table. But I think it's just the sense I've gotten from working with many of the the biggest billing agencies in the space and then independent companies that when they go smaller and when they really focus on the reader better things happen. And so I, I don't always know the attribution. I think that's where it can get really fuzzy, like you said. But I just realized while we're talking, I think that's why these smaller boutique agencies like um, Animals and Fenwick and Campfire Labs come to mind. I think that's why they do so well is because those layers of having to make up 
attribution <laughs> to, to kind of justify what's happening. They don't need all those layers. So they can come in, go with their gut and have a real instinct about what's happening and then back it up with data after it works. I couldn't agree more. And you said something there about just like the readers. And I think it's one thing taking a step back and we all should be taking the step back. And when we create pieces and we spend time and like I mentioned before, and where I'm not cooking dinner at home and working instead, like <laughs> I, I take a step back and I say, is the work that I'm doing here, is it is it for the value of our readers or is it the for the value of our company? Oof. And I think that's a good question that it's we all should be asking. It is. So <laughs> like, how, how do you think, how do you think about that? Or what is your response to that? I think my response is the Institute because I've, I've found especially towards the lower end of the rate sheet, it's just hard to get motivated to write really SEO focused kind of purposeless articles. So it's almost like I myself have only been drawn to these things that I feel like make an impact or put a real voice out there for a company as far as like a white paper building thought leadership, that kind of thing. So I've, I've found even in my career, it's like my, what's that switch, that stick that finds water like I've had to follow mine to only focus on these certain types of writing and kind of welcoming a new generation into the other kinds because I, I can't do it myself anymore. Absolutely. And then so like when you're the being getting, I think it's important that we're all, when we're writing, we're specific and we're, we're not speaking to a back to, I guess, the Ogilvy and me speaking to a stadium <laughs> of people, but we're writing for an audience of one or like you're mm -hmm. writing a, a letter to someone that you, you get in the mail and you spend time on that. I think like, what are some steps like if you're that you'd recommend if you're a marketer who does writing, like what are ways to maybe like learn about the audience or the motivations of the people that you're trying to communicate with? Mm. There are some really smart people who specialize in that customer research and really updating customer personas to be useful instead of speculation. Mm. So I think it comes down to you know putting enough margin in your process that you actually can devote time to understanding your audience. Because so often we, we're so excited to write or get it out the door, especially in more publication style agencies that taking time to understand the customer doesn't even occur to us. And I'm, I'm reflecting on just how many marketing manager kickoff calls I have where I ask questions about the customer and they actually say they don't really know, they've never talked to one, maybe I could connect you with sales. And it's like that kind of conversation always stops me in my tracks because the entire point is to reach these people that you have access to and we're not accessing them. So I think you know, building in time to actually do that, which is expensive, but I think that pays off in the end. Oh man, I I I am I'm all about what you just said, <laughs> and it makes me cringe. Right? Well, let me pass pass you over to sales. I think mm -hmm. that is such a critical and valuable thing that we can all be doing as marketers is taking a step back. And and I get it. Right? We we're we're ambitious. We're here to ship. We're here to produce. Mm -hmm. But it's the it's the kind of the the volume. Are we just trying to do a lot or volume versus quality? And so I think taking a step back and spending some time, like whether you're you have access to your customers or there's someone within your your organization who does who can introduce you. Like mm -hmm. to me, that's when I started to level up everything I was doing when I just started to to talk to people. Mm. 
And another thing that comes to mind, I'm thinking of Skyward's recent research about collaborating with freelance creators. And I think that also explains the push to outsourcing to either agencies or freelancers who have really deep industry experience or who have niched in a topic, because then it's almost like you're buying that insight into your customers because they come having already written a bunch in that space. So I think that for marketers who really can't slow down to do that kind of work, the other option is to get that through your vendors and your partners. I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm blown away by being back into the kind of marketing MarTech space, how many freelancers there are that specialize mm-hmm. in specific verticals and segments. And it's, it, you know, if you're a marketer out there and you can relate to any, any of this, just like take a step back, like join a group like Superpath and start meeting people because mm-hmm. those are the people that you can take to your boss and say, you know, they, they can help support what we're doing in our content efforts. And I, I just, I just think that's really smart. One of the things I want to maybe close out with that is an important topic, but that's like cutting through all the clutter and reaching executives. I think that is mm-hmm. like the age old question for <laughs> everybody, right? How do these people are busy? They're in meetings. Like how do, how do we cut through? And, you know, there's obviously personalization being personalized and there's a bunch of other core like elements we can leverage when we're trying to reach out to kind of executive team members to try to get a conversation going. But again, it's hard. I know this is something Mm. you focus in on in in your work. So maybe thoughts or ideas on just like tactics that might be helpful for the audience that you've used or learned that that are maybe a helpful or more beneficial ways to connect with the C-suite. Yeah, definitely. I, when I was reflecting on this and kind of thinking of those common mistakes, maybe when people reach out to executives and over eight years, I, I'm really familiar with those because I've made all of them and they're really easy to fall into even now. So I think it's, it's not just that we're doing it wrong. It's that we just need to be aware of these traps we can fall into. And the first is approaching the B2B audience like a B2C audience. Cause we, that thread of like, it's not B2B, it's H to H because it's human to human. Like we love, I see that everywhere, it seems like, and it's just there to vex me. But certainly we're all humans and all content ends up with people. But I think the motivations and what's top of mind for somebody in B2B is just so different from consumers that if you take that approach, you can end up turning off people who are trying to read. And so the example that came to mind for that, I'll get feedback sometimes about jazzing things up or making things more clever, maybe positioning a white paper as, you know, the secrets of something. And I think that kind of drama can be really effective with a B2C audience, um, people who are more in tune with those uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the desire for like safety and status and all that kind of stuff. But executives, they're on their guard and they're just not susceptible to that. And if anything, seeing secrets in a title is a big flag to avoid it because they know there's no secrets to anything. Like it's, it's science and it's study and it's organizational development and stuff like that. So knowing like how you approach a topic and making sure it's speaking to them at that level, that's actually going to resonate or appeal to them with how important that information is, um, is one of those, one of those mistakes I see. Understand your audience. Um, I think that's good. (laughs) And it, it goes back to like, you know, 
chances are if you work at a company that has a product, there are accounts that are very, very happy customers and working through and trying to get 15 minutes. I know they're busy, but like 15 minutes of a few people here and there uh, that might be VPs of marketing or CMOs and just ask questions and better understand like what cuts through like that stuff can like that type of learning can go on and, mm-hmm. and help enforce what you're doing and, and um, kind of make mm-hmm. optimize it. So I think that's super important. Is there, is there anything else uh, that just you've, you've done or thought of that has helped you or people that you're working with reach executives? Yeah. What you just said really shook something loose too, but I think another benefit is staying really close to your customer and actually talking with them, even if it's hard is it lets you break away from these templates that we've all been using for the past 15 years. Because when I think of secrets, I just thought of if I Googled secrets of and like looked at B2B stuff, those are templates that we learned from HubSpot and like John Morrow and Copyblogger and and all these resources that were really helpful and groundbreaking five to 10 years ago. But sometimes we need to keep updating those for what our readers actually want to be listening to, which might not be you know, the secrets of things. Yes. I love it. I can relate to that and couldn't agree more. Sarah, this has been a a fun conversation. Before I let you go, it is a marketing podcast. So we got to have you plug, (laughs) plug your stuff. Where can people go find you uh, to learn more about what you're up to? B2Bwritinginstitute.com is where it's all happening. And I think the most important thing is that I really want to solve that hiring problem. So I'm looking to release a job board by the end of the year that would help connect B2B marketers with writers who really have those niches and have you know a balanced portfolio and, and can do the work. So I hope we're looking out for that. Awesome. We will um, definitely put links to your stuff in the show notes. Sarah, it was a blast meeting you and learning from you. You take care and we'll have to get you back on the show sometime soon. Yeah, thank you. I love that conversation. I think it's really important to be mindful about the people that we're trying to reach, the words that we're trying to use and how we do that. I learned a ton. Hopefully you did too. If you like what we're doing, hit the subscribe button, tell a friend, join the juice. Have a great weekend. Be back next week. More 3C podcast coming at you.